Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. Before we get started, inshallah ta'ala, a reminder, subhanAllah, we're in the middle of the last 10 nights. We pray that you are benefiting and that you are tuning in constantly. Uh, the Yaqeen channel becomes like a TV channel at this point. Like it's just nonstop program to program to program to program. So I hope that you're benefiting with the night ta'ala from all of the uh, programming that's happening and inshallah ta'ala to remind you to please use these last 10 nights as well to support the work at Yaqeen. Uh, we, we need everyone to come through with the ta'ala. Uh, the numbers of viewers have been up, the numbers of donors are down. So Sheikh Abdullah, man, we got to push, we might, we might have to do some, uh, you know, some pushing inshallah ta'ala with everybody. But of course, we we, we we say that and we uh, we know that a lot of people wait for these last few nights. So, with the night ta'ala, uh, I pray that you've seen the benefit and value of all of this and we will never charge for anything that we do, but uh, always seeking to be a benefit, whether it's to the broader community or to the schools or the masajid or the institutions, uh, whatever work we do with the night ta'ala, we make it free and accessible and hope that you'll support it with the night ta'ala. With that being said, uh, tonight, it's kind of awkward because uh, Sheikh Ibrahim stole my co-host for Sincerely Yours. Uh, sincerely thing, just, I mean, there were a few nights that I, I watched you guys bonding on Sincerely. And I thought, how come how come Sheikh Abdullah doesn't love me the way he loves Sheikh Ibrahim? I'm not, I mean, I was just, uh, like, y'all look so comfortable together. You naturally mesh together. It was like, all right, why why am I the intolerable one? You know what I'm saying? It was like, why did she up? And I tried to bring jokes into Quran 30 for 30 this year, um, all in hopes that maybe I could unseat you and sincerely, Sheikh Ibrahim, and take over your co-hosting abilities sincerely. But I don't know, man, Sheikh Abdullah is not, he, Sheikh Abdullah, you got a choice to make. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of clear. What's that? I think it's kind of clear, yeah. It's clear. <laughs> Sheikh Ibrahim, how's it going? Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Wallahi, feelings mutual. I see you guys together. I'm like, ah, oh, I love those days with Sheikh Abdullah. You got, you got my seat, Sheikh. Mashallah. You guys are doing great. We're gonna make a new show at Yaqeen. Everybody loves Sheikh Abdullah. <laughs> you know, you know what my what my daughter, what Khadija called him the other day, Sheikh Ibrahim. She called him Sheikh Abu Diadoro. A two-year-old Khadija saw because she knows her brother Abdullah's Abudi, so that's Sheikh Abudi Oduro. Oduro. I know you're on, you're tight with him. Um, you know, and you can call him Sheikh Abudi Oduro. Maybe that'll be everybody loves Sheikh Abudi Oduro. Be our new show. It's funny, you're, you're, our daughters are the same age, the oldest one, May and, and Arwa, and then our sons are the same age as well. I don't know if you remember that youth talk, they were sitting next to each other, and then Junaid took a picture, and he was like, the future 30 for 30. <laughs> <laughs> They're the same age, and they, they were sitting next to each other. It's like how LeBron wants to play ball with his son. Sheikh, we're going to like have like a 30 for 30 edition, so we hand off the duties to our sons, you know what I'm saying? Like. Right, yeah. and, our, and our jokes are so corny at that point that they awkwardly laugh and just kind of like slowly yeah. see us out of whatever has replaced Restream at that point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be interesting. That would be interesting. Sheikh Ibrahim, when I came to Canada, I'm gonna share this. This is pretty funny. Uh, I, was, I was gonna do this, then I realized I might start a war. I came to Canada a few years ago, and every city I went to, they gave me a hockey jersey. All right. 
So I'm going to need you to guess. So I got a bunch of hockey jerseys with Sude Mount on it uh, on the back. I don't have a, I don't have a Toronto. What do y'all call the Maple Leafs? Is that what y'all Maple Leafs. Yeah. Maple Leafs. I don't have a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. I'll get you one, inshallah. I got, a bunch, a, of, I got a bunch of customized Sude Mount Canada hockey jerseys, right? Mashallah. And there's one that I always wear, and it's because of the colors. So can you guess which one it is, Sheikh Ibrahim? And then we'll get started. Because of the color. Um, say Vancouver. No, though that's a cool no. jersey, but it's the Edmonton Oilers one because it's the clean colors. Well, orange, yeah, I should have got that. So it's orange <laughs> and blue. So I, Come on, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I'm questioning your your hockey knowledge now. Oh, man. <laughs> questioning your king, questioning your king shit. Yeah. <laughs> You do know Yatin's colors are orange and blue, right? <laughs> oh, oh. You know, Oof. Uh, I mean, sure. Yeah. You know that, right? Okay. Yeah, although you guys change the tint on them. That's true. That's true. Threw me off. Inshallah, we'll get started. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil I mean, as we said, subhanAllah, we're, we're in the last 10 nights and things are moving so quickly. Uh, but we have made our way to uh, just 25 now. And subhanAllah, what, what I realized about Surah Al-Dukhan, when we get into just 25, these ajza naturally have a lot of what we have covered in the Judgment Day series, because again, these are surahs where you have the snippets, right? These, these snapshots of different scenes from the Day of Judgment. However, subhanAllah, here you have two surahs that as you as you look at them in succession um you you find that one of them which is very frequent in the quran gives you one side of it and then the next surah uh, quickly goes into sort of the the next scene uh, we saw that with the zumar and surah ghafir uh, and here we have uh, surah al-dukhan and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verses uh, 25 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that how many uh, you know gardens and streams did they leave behind? How many palaces, how many uh, you know worldly gains did they leave behind? And suddenly we took them, they passed away, and at that point neither the heavens nor the earth shed a tear for them. So we talked about this in the series, this idea that uh, what Ibn Abbas mentions that when a righteous person passes away, their place of sujood cries for them and the gate of heaven through which their deeds used to ascend also weeps for them in a way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees and Allah enables. And subhanAllah, you think about that, like how many gates to the heavens used to be opened in Ramadan for certain people you know i know very righteous people that passed away this year and i know that the same is true for 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 many of you um including the mashaykh and i think about like the gate that they had where every ramadan they used to exert themselves in particular and they're not with us anymore may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow them to be celebrated in the heavens at this point allahumma ameen but that's something that really strikes me subhanallah about this so you got the people that were that were so in tune with their religion that they were naturally bringing barakah blessing to every place that they were in and 
this is of course you know talking about the ones that that the earth and the heavens don't cry over are the tyrants in particular so this is talking about Fir'aun and his people but the opposite of that being the believer and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just go a few verses past to verse 38 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَمَا خَلَقْنَا السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا لَاعِبِينَ look we didn't create the heavens and the earth and everything in between out of play like everything has a purpose every single part of the world every part of Allah's creation has a purpose the heavens and the earth therefore the purpose of you encountering it also is affirmed right it's part of what Allah decreed for a reason so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Ma illa we only created them for a purpose but most of these people just don't know most people don't contemplate and so there's a purpose to it and then suddenly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes but then the day of the final decision is one of the names of the day of judgment right the day that the decision has already been made right things are sorted out so you had time to figure out purpose and you had time to live in accordance with that purpose in such a way that you could have been at harmony with literally the earth that you were walking on subhanallah and that would have put you at peace with your Lord. But instead, you ignored the purpose. You ignored the signs. And now it's Yawm Al-Fasl. This is the day of the decision. And Miqatuhum Ajma'een. It's the time that's appointed for all people, whether they prepared or didn't prepare, the believer and the disbeliever, the righteous and the wicked. Uh, this day is now the day of the decision. Yawma la yughni mawlan an mawlan shay'a wa la hum yunsarun. And on that day, no kilth or kin are going to be a benefit to one another whatsoever, nor will they be helped. So you had to have lived in accordance with your own purpose and not hope that someone else is going to, you know, save you in that regard. Illa man rahim Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, except those shown mercy by Allah, innahu huwa al-aziz rahim He is truly al-aziz al-rahim the Almighty and the Most Merciful. So Allah combines these two names, Al-Aziz Al-Rahim. He is Aziz in that no one can impose anything upon him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in this regard. Allah Azza wa Jal does not need anyone to be saved, nor can anyone force Allah to save. But he is Aziz Al-Rahim. He is Aziz and he's still Rahim as well. So these two uh, names and attributes go together. And then subhanAllah, right after Surah Al-Dukhan, what do you have? The next surah. And I wish the Mashaykh were even with me because I could ask this. I know Shaykh Abdullah is probably like, subhanAllah, the next surah is Sutta Jathiyah, right? Which is literally the scene of every community on its knees. SubhanAllah. Like, talk about the next scene. You see every single faith community, every ummah on its knees. And at that point, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kul ummat, every single nation is going to be called to its book. Tud'a ila kitabiha is going to be called to its book. Today you will be paid back for what you used to do. Hadha kitabuna, subhanAllah. This is our book. Remember, we, we talked about in the Day of Judgment series how the places that you used to encounter will testify, right? They come forth. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, هَذَا كِتَابُنَا يَنْطِقُ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْحَقِّ Just like we created everything in truth, and now that which we created in truth is going to speak, this is the book, and it will speak about you in truth. It is not going to lie. 
we were verily inna kunna nastansihu ma kuntum ta'malun verily we were recording everything that you used to do and so it was all in the record of the angels and it never escapes the record of the angels so subhanallah just this idea of testimony and this idea of you have now people that are placing their face on the ground making sajda right and this is sort of the last scene i want to leave you with inshallah ta'ala then we'll go to sheikh abdullah because it's something profound that i was thinking about in the connection between these two you have people that make sajda on this ground that kneel that put their knees on the ground and put their faces on the ground and glorify allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then on the day of judgment when you're on that other ard, right on that other ground the, the grounds of the day of judgment, people are once again on their knees. People are once again on their knees. And the place you used to make sujood on is coming forth and testifying for you in that place on the day of judgment. And what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Some people at that point are then called to make sajda and they can't. Their backs become firm. So that is yawm al-fasl. This is not the day to try to rectify all of this. You had your chance. This is the day of reckoning, not the day of rectification. You had the chance to rectify yourself. And now this is the day of reckoning. But I just think about, you know, look at your place of sujood, wherever it is. Say, Ya Rabb, allow that place to come on the day of judgment and testify for me. So I can be once again in sajda and gratitude to you, Ya Allah. And let not the places that I neglected or the people I neglected testify against me. And certainly not the revelation that I neglected and the Prophet ﷺ complaining about me, rather interceding on my behalf and being pleased with me. And of course, Allah Azzawajal, may he be pleased with us all. Allahumma ameen. Shaykh Abdullah, I'll hand it over to you, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan. Bismillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd. MashaAllah, what was mentioned, and the series that we see from Shaykh Omar, hafizahullah ta'ala, is the Day of Judgment series. And it's interesting that, you know, mashallah, he's made series on the pillars of Iman, you know, with the angels, mashallah, even with believing Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and then now the day of judgment. This is a pillar of our Iman, meaning that it is a pillar of our faith in Islam. When we say we are a Muslim, it's important for us to know these aspects of our Islamic faith because it's mentioned consistently in the scripture, in the Quran, and in the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. More importantly, there are all of this day of judgment. It's scenes that hasn't happened yet. It's things that will take place, which is a test for the believer, being that they believe everything that's mentioned authentically reported about what takes what will take place on Yom Al-Qiyamah. Some of the things that, you know, the day of judgment and what takes place after that in Jannah and in hell. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from hell and make us, make us of the inhabitants of Jannah. But it's important to... Remember that all of these scenes is there for you to contemplate over and to ultimately ask yourself, where do I want to be? Where do I want to be? Do I want to be the people that are full of regret? Do I want to be the people that fall off of the silat on, on the silat? That's a, a certain meshhead or an encounter or an event that will take place during these different events on the day of judgment when they move from this dunya on to the next place. And inshallah, it is Jannah. When Allah gives vivid description. The Prophet ﷺ gives vivid descriptions of what will take place, as Shaykh Omar mentioned. That every nation will be on its knees. We don't know how that will actually look, but it's important, it's rather incumbent upon us to believe that that will take place. 
that that will take place. But ultimately, it's for us to ask, where am I in this equation? Where do I want to be in this equation? We have the amal. We may have the desire and hope to do something. But in reality, what are the actions that is serve as an investment in the next life? Because it's the actions that you have in this life that are founded and couched and motivated by a belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this in the chapter of Shura in verses number 47 and 48, it's a call to all of us, and it's a call ultimately to those that may have some amal in certain things that they wish that they could do. You know, I hope to do this, or one day I will do one day I'll pray. You know, one day I will come to the masjid. You know, one day I will uh read the Quran. Uh, one day I will give zakat. One day I will be honest. One day I will be an individual uh, that lowers my gaze. You know, one day that's going to happen. Inshallah, inshallah, inshallah. You know, it reminds me one time, subhanAllah, I was in Medina. And uh, this is rather funny, but it, it just hit me. I was picking up this beautiful, beautiful brother, mashallah. This beautiful brother, he worked at a plumber's shop. And I had to get something done at my home. And I picked him up. And uh, subhanAllah, I, 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 you know, he got in the car, mashallah. Beautiful smile. You know, he couldn't read or write, mashallah. And then as we're driving, there was a convenience store. And he said, uh, he said, he said, what? He said, let's stop real quick. I want to get some cigarettes. I was like, Sheikh, you don't make like your rollover minutes, rollover stuck for laws for a future, you know, you know, what you perceive as a sin that you're going to commit shortcoming. I said, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop at a convenience store, you know, for you to get that on the way to my house. So just thinking about that concept, sometimes we'll do an act and then we'll say, okay, I'll ask for forgiveness later. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a reminder. As Sheikh Omar mentioned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that word baghta, that the adab or the punishment or the wrath of Allah will come when you least expect it. You're not going to know when it's going to happen. That's the whole point. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this verse and in numerous verses, this attitude of take advantage of your time. You don't know when Allah will take you individually or take all of us collectively. You don't know. So what are you going to do? Allah says, respond to your Lord before a day comes from Allah, which there is no repelling. There is no repelling. And that is the day when everything will perish. Or that is the, that is the day where everything will perish and there is no return. There is no escape. No escape. No escape. You're going to have to answer for what you've done. You will be rewarded or you will be punished. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those that are consistently rewarded and for any shortcoming from his uh, mercy and forgiveness, forgiveness for our sins. He says, no refuge will you have that day, nor will you will there be any denial. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even mentions that there are people that will ask, let me go back to the earth. Let me go back to the world. I will do good. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his knowledge, al anim knows even if they were to go back, Allah says, and even if they were to return to the earth, they would still go back to doing what they were doing. They would still go back. That brings an important point. Ramadan, we should look at it as a catalyst for a new deed and not just, not just something for mere motivation. We want to be disciplined in something that is better for us in this life that serves as an investment in the next life. 
Look at Ramadan as a catalyst for a better deed or a good deed that you can start to do. A habit that you can leave off, which is a good deed. Seeking forgiveness consistently for a good sin, which is a good deed. But making sure that you seek discipline and not motivation. You seek to be disciplined in something and not just merely motivated. Not to discount motivation, but motivation should be a catalyst to something that is continuous. And that continuous action with the struggle within that continuous action of rectifying your niyyah is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, istajibu, answer, answer the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, i.e. answer the call by practicing and doing your best to be a good Muslim. And when we say a good Muslim, a good human being, because if we believe that Islam is the truth for all of mankind, the good Muslim is a good citizen. The good Muslim is a good human being a good father, a good mother, a good friend. That's what a good Muslim is. So if the one is doing those actions and they have the intention to please Allah, that is the answering the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he says, Then he's telling the Prophet sallallahu and if they turn away, then we have not sent you as a guardian over them. Hafizah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says after that, in alayka, in alayka illa Verily it is upon you to give the message. You as the family member, your whole family may make fun of you because you're going off and you're praying. And they may say, is, is it your prayer that's ordering you to, to wear the veil? Is it your prayer that's ordering you to, to be chased, not to backbite at a family gathering? You're similar to a prophet now. Oh, that's what you think that you are? You know, you may have family members that say that to you. But know that the haq is with you and do your best to be your best to yourself and to them as well. And that whole process is a struggle. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the prophet, it is upon you to give the message. You cannot make them Muslim. It's upon you to give the message. You cannot make him put that cigarette down. You cannot make him come and pray. You cannot make him or her to stop cursing and being vulgar in, in certain instances. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a beautiful, a beautiful example in here. He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a reality of human beings. And I'll end here. After he tells the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that, look, it's upon you just to relay the message. Do your best. And sometimes you'll be bakhir. It'll be hard upon you and you'll feel that stress. And this is natural. We feel our family member or someone that we love dearly, that we thought would understand, is not turning towards the message that we love dearly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and indeed, when, uh, when, when man, when man tastes, mer tastes mercy from us, he rejoices in it. But if evil afflicts him, for what his hands have put forth, then indeed man is ungrateful. Notice here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and if and indeed when we let the mercy, when they taste our mercy, the rahma, the mercy, the goodness, the pleasure, the withholding of any type of harm is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Notice that the sayyah, the evil, is not from Allah. It's from what our hands have put forth. As the Prophet used to say in the dua, that evil is what your hands have put forth. And when that time comes, when the hands, what your hands have put forth, we think we are ungrateful because we don't turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If evil, quote unquote, afflicts us, we don't turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't ask for forgiveness. We don't try our best to do istijaba and responding to the message. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those that recognize that time is limited, our life is limited, 
and we don't know when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take us and use the Day of Judgment series, use the message of the Quran, use the unseen times that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, the scenes that take place to serve as a motivation for you to do something that is better for yourself. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never neglect the small deeds with the right intentions that you have. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala equip us to be disciplined individuals of this beautiful doctrine. Amen. You know, I was thinking about today's topic and I thought I want to talk about something really cliche that Muslims talk about all the time, which is unity. Um, and that's because this Jamim, which are the surahs that the letters Hamim, and these surahs carry similar themes. And one of the themes in all of these surahs is a theme related to unity and disunity. Um, in Surah, <clears throat> in Surah Ashura, uh, Allah particularly focuses on the topic of unity. So, tenth verse, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Wa maqtalaftum fihi min shayin fahukmuhu ilallah." That whatever you disagree about, its ruling should go back to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And so, the standard of adjudicating our differences or disagreements should be in accordance to what Allah wants us to do. But the implication of this verse is that disagreements are going to happen, right? We're human beings. The idea that the ummah will be in lockdown, I ever going to disagree, that's a fantasy. So when you differ, because you're going to differ, then go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seek the judgment with Allah. Then a few verses later, Allah says, Allah says, Allah says, He ordained upon you this religion, what He ordained upon Nuh, what He has revealed to you, O, o Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And what we have enjoyed upon Ibrahim and Musa and Isa. To do what? What did, what did Allah tell all of these messengers to do? An aqim din wa la tatafarraqu. Establish religion and do not disunite. And so Allah is saying that there's a clear difference between disagreement you know, which is natural, and disunity, which is haram. And the next verse is really what I want to focus on, the 14th verse in Surah Tashura. He says, Allah says, they did not divide until after the knowledge came to them. Baghya means transgression. But the scholars say in this context, the transgression that Allah is talking about is petty jealousy. They were jealous. They wanted to be in charge. They wanted to be the leaders. These are people who received the knowledge. They received the scripture. They understood it. They believed it. And they disunited for what reason? Because of jealous animosity. They're upset that this person has leadership and they don't. This person's more famous than them and they're not. And because this person has more than them than they have. And so what do they start doing? They start attacking each other. They start harming each other. They start you know, backbiting each other. They start slandering against each other. They begin transgressing against each other. Why? Because of petty reasons, because of jealousy, because of ego, because of wanting power and leadership. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues in the verse and he says, Had it not been for a word preceded by the Lord, meaning had Allah not decided to show people mercy in this life and not punish them immediately, he would have punished them right away. Then he says, and this is the end of the verse, and this part is really, really powerful. And indeed, those who are granted inheritance of the scripture are, con are in it in, in considerable doubt or in disquieting doubt. 
Allah says, Inna ladina urithul kitab. So he's talking about the next generation. He says, these are the people urithul kitab. Now re realize Allah says urithu and which is the same thing that they've inherited. But one of them is passive and the other one is active. Right? So had Allah said warithul kitab, then it would be like the example, let's say somebody owns a bakery, right? And they want to leave this bakery as an inheritance for their children. And so, you know, they bring the child and the child is eager to learn. So the child wants to know how to bake and they want to know the recipes and they want to know, you know, the protein levels of the flour and they want to know the humidity of the oven and they want to know like everything to do with baking. This would be warith al-kitab. He wanted to inherit this bakery, right? But Allah says urithu, which is basically saying they were made to inherit, which implies they didn't want to inherit. It's like that the parent brings the child and says, here, learn these recipes and learn this and learn that. And the child's like, I don't want to, right? But they're being forced to learn it. And in the end, they, they have the knowledge, but they don't really want it. So Allah says, the next generation, the ones who came after them, they were made to inherit the scripture. They were made to inherit the knowledge of the religion, but they never wanted it. Why? And Allah even adds to that, they are in doubt about the religion. Why are they in doubt about the religion? Because it goes back to the beginning of the verse. They saw the people who had knowledge of the religion, who had the scripture, fighting over petty issues. And when they were fighting over the next watching, and them doubt their religion. You know, we're, we're trying to inspire conviction in people, but sometimes we have to understand that something that makes people doubt Islam is not misunderstanding or lack of knowledge. Sometimes it's because they witnessed the behavior of people who had knowledge. They witnessed the behavior of our community. They witnessed the behavior of organizations and people fighting over petty reasons. And it caused doubt to enter their heart. And Allah is telling us exactly that. They didn't even want to receive the knowledge. Why? Because they saw the earlier generation fight and disunite over petty matters. And so how do we create unity amongst ourselves? The surah gives us actually many reasons, many things that we can look at. Just briefly, the next verse, Because of this, Allah says, because of this, call, invite people to Islam. When you give da'wah to other people, Muslims and non-Muslims, not only is it good for the person receiving the call, it's good for the person making the call. It makes you more steadfast in your religion, more firm in your deen. This is also the surah ash-shura, the surah of consultation. And Allah mentions in it, Those who responded to their Lord and they established their prayer and their affairs are determined by consultation. Our Prophet often would say, Give me your advice, come give me your consultation. And even in his personal affairs, Affairs. When he had an issue with one of his wives, he got the consultation of Ulam ibn Zayd and Ali ibn Abi Talib, two people who grew up in the house of our Prophet And Usama was only 12 years old and the Prophet is asking him his advice. If this is the Prophet who received revelation from above the seven heavens and he does not place himself above asking the people for their advice and consulting them, then why should we not? When we do this, we increase love and cohesion between the Muslim Ummah. Another point is standing up for each other, supporting each other against injustices. Allah says, and those who when you know defend each other. So the first example of disunity, they are doing transgression against each other. And the example of unity, when transgression has come to any Muslim, we stand up for each other. We support the Muslims in Palestine, in Kashmir, in India, the Uyghur Muslims, the Rohingya Muslims, the Bosnian Muslims. We support each other when we do this. This causes us to have more love and connection and cohesion between the ummah. And finally, Allah mentions to pardon and to forgive and to try to reconcile between people. 
Whoever forgives and reconciles between people, his reward will be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're going to make mistakes, but let's try to forgive and overlook and reconcile with one another so that we can get in, in between Muslim Ummah. Zakallah khair, Shaykh Ibrahim. You know, Amir Abu Ghudda was, was here uh, a few nights ago and he was boasting that Canadian internet is better than American internet. Amir, uh, all your, all your qawaneen, all your qawaneen. Your reflection, man. <laughs> Am I still, am I like paused or something? Can you hear me though? No, we no, got, we got so you. serious. We're still live. We still got you. Just for the audience's perspective, Yanni, because there's some glitchiness going on there. So just, Yanni, Amir Abu if you're watching, American internet is better than Canadian internet. It's, it's clear. But since we're talking about unity, Sheikh, uh, talking about unity and disunity, um, on, on a serious note, the beautiful thing that you just brought up, um, but also a very, I think something very unpleasant that maybe we don't take into consideration. Masjid politics runs kids away from the masjids and possibly away from Islam, like possibly away from Islam. Um, you know, unfortunately, we've seen some like, you know, it's, it's become commonplace, right, to have like these deep brawls in the masjid, lots of politics. And you're telling the future generation that you operate with a superior set of values and a superior ethic and, you know, bond and humanity and all that stuff, right? All these qualities that we're supposed to have embedded. The Imam is speaking from the Manbar about the qualities of the Prophet and you're seeing none of them being lived in your masjid. And you're seeing nothing but ego and envy and pettiness. And that can cause shak, that can cause doubt. It can cause doubt. It can run people away from Islam. And like, I don't think people understand the consequences. Or let's say, let's include all of us sometimes when these when these fights are happening, like what we're doing. Uh, and, and I'll actually share subhanAllah something that maybe I'll elaborate on in the future. But um, there was a brother that had become Muslim. And Sheikh Abdullah, I'd love for you to comment on this as well. Hmm. And you know, alhamdulillah, he embraced Islam and then he went online and he saw all this garbage flying around online. You know, the tabloids and the slander and the gossip and the disunity and the tweets and the, just the stuff that's just part of our Muslim social media space, right? And we joke about it. We say Muslim Twitter and Muslim, that kind of stuff. And it's like, if you engage that stuff, you're going to get dirty. It's like you wrestle with a pig, you get dirty type deal, right? And so literally just tell people like, stay away from it, right? It's not good for you. But this person just became Muslim and suddenly he's being bombarded with this person, and this person, and that person, and this person. just And he used these words with me. Sheikh Abdullah, I want you to talk about this from the convert resources perspective in particular. Mm. He said, I didn't sign up for this. Mm. When I took Shahada, I didn't sign up for all of this. Like, I signed up to be Muslim, to believe in Allah, to believe in the Messenger, وسلم, not to get into this camp and that camp, and this Sheikh is deviant, that Sheikh is deviant, and, you know, this tabloid and this you know, th this tweet and, and you know, this YouTube video, you know, I didn't sign up for all this nonsense. Like I could have, all that I could have had as a non-Muslim, you know, just all that, that type of just disunity, right? Like, and I think we often don't understand, like we're, even we're embracing someone, bring them into the fold of Islam and everybody's getting up to hug them. Man, Sheikh Abdullah, you have a lot to share, right? Because everybody gets up to hug them. And the next thing you know, these two people that hugged you are going to 
at some point be whispering in your ear and saying, hey, don't talk to that brother. He's deviant. Uh, he's got this for you. He's a, you know, don't you start, you're going to notice the camps. And uh, the only thing they'll agree upon is abandoning you, <laughs> you know, to go figure out your life now. And then you're just left with this whole package of a mess. Your brothers and sisters that are watching, we're the ummah of the Quran, Habdullah, it's the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like when we fight, we cause doubt. We induce doubt. The next generation doesn't want to inherit our drama. They want to inherit the Quran. And if you, you know, put too much drama into it, then they're not going to want any of it because they're going to think the Quran and the Sunnah are tainted by what we what we do. And so, Sheikh Abdullah, I want to hear from you because, you know, I think obviously convert resources like, you know, Bismillah, very personal, but just anything you've seen in your own experiences and other people in this regard, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a that's a lot. I mean, subhanAllah, you know, I always tell these uh, people that want to deal with uh, converts or even youth directors because, uh, you know, when when a, when a young man or young woman wants to start practicing the deen or makes the decision to be become a Muslim, right? And their parents are Muslim, but they made that conscious decision. It's pretty much similar to the one that converts to the deen from Christianity or from some other type of religious framework or no religious framework. Uh, so because they're learning the deen from the very beginning. But they have to understand we, I guess you call seasoned Muslims, have to understand that if they're looking at you, you are their sheikh. You are their sheikh of Islam. You are you are their mufti. And if they see you get into it with somebody and you don't use the bigger framework of the quote unquote brotherhood, sisterhood, and allowing that to be the overlying uh, 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 element that has an effect on our relationship as Muslims, they're going to associate that with the deen. And that's why I always tell the converts, you know, separate the doer from the doctrine. Because a lot of times, you know, it's important for us to remember that these are human beings, but at the same time, those human beings, i.e. we Muslims, have a responsibility in regards to those that just come into the faith. So when you hear, you know, people say something that, you know, I didn't sign up for this as, as this is what Islam really is. I didn't know that this was, you know, Islam, or, or is, is, does, do, does Islam really instruct this? You know, and when you see them ask the question and they're very sincere because they, are sincere and Allah knows best. They just want to do their best. But when they see someone they look up to, or when they see the entrance of Ramadan, when is it going to be? And masjids arguing over it, and you know the youth just like, man, I'm done with this, man. This is just forget it. You know, we have to be really cognizant of that and look at the bigger picture. And looking at the bigger picture is an Islamic construct, as we call the maqasid of the Sharia. We have to look at the maqasid, the overlying objective that this Sharia wants to bring. And that's what Sheikh Omar mentioned. To hold firmly to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So really, those of you individuals, you know, it, it's I commend all of you that choose to be on boards of masajid, boards of organizations. But remember, you are there to serve. You're there to serve your community. If it's a, if it's a non-homogenous community and if it's a different demographics, every person of each demographic should represent on the board. It's as simple as that. So if you're on the board, you're there to serve the community. It is a position that one should strive to, to hope for, to serve Allah by serving people. And if you're not serving the people that come into the religion post 9-11, you really have to take a step back and have a meeting and realize, okay, what are we doing for our future generation of the converts to Islam, of the youth to Islam, of the women in our communities? What are we doing to serve them? Because that is why we are here is to serve them nothing else so i think you know this is a whole other 
uh, sitting, but I think, you know, subhanAllah, it's very, very important that we as people that Allah has given us this element of authority in a community, in a home, to realize that that authority is there to serve the people that you have authority over. So we just have to remember that and not use that in being tyrannical, but being a worshiper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah knows best. I feel like we should do a podcast on how disunity causes doubt and just talk about this stuff and like really get into it, man. Because I know a lot of people will, will not make it to this part of Quran 30 for 30, but um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept uh, those words that you just shared, Sheikh, and, and may Allah protect us from disunity and destruction that comes as a result of it. I mean, Rahim, you got any final words? Because I, I remember jokes. Oh, man. Is your internet your internet froze right oh my god <laughs> right when i said that <laughs> you said i remember and then jokes and then it went away the, the, i guess the angels or the jinn i don't know which one they don't want you to mention it <laughs> it was a joke someone said to me that um a fictional joke obviously a muslim is stranded on a on an island and uh you know they come months later years later they uh, save this guy from the island and they show up there they see he built himself a little house and they see he built you know a couple of things for him to take advantage of and then he built two masjids and they said to him why do you have two masjids and he said well that one i pray in and that one i don't <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so you know we're getting there as a community where like <laughs> avoid some there you go. You know, we gotta create yeah, more. You. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your ethnicity, Shaggy Rahim? I started Canadian, Egyptian, Egyptian. <laughs> there you go. That was a Canadian, Canadianized uh, go ahead joke. <laughs> Rohan built two messages for himself. That's, that's what happened there. So we next next year's Quran Thursday, we're gonna put you and Sheikh Yasser Fahmi on together. Have a, a muscly joke off. Muscly joke off. Have Sheikh Muhammad lighten him up, man. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh my God! Right, so, reminded everyone once again, please, inshallah Taala, uh, the donate link is there, and share it with other people through the night, Taala. We appreciate, love the support, and the duas, the duas, the duas that have been coming in. Uh, please keep those coming as well. They're just as important. Inshallah Ta'ala, we'll see you all tomorrow. Jazakumullah khayr wa salam alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Ibrahim Hindi. It's a struggle for parents everywhere to raise our kids to be good, mature, independent adults who are confident and also to be great believers who are confident in their religion and connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can we achieve this goal? Join me for this great series, Keys to Prophetic Parenting. We will take cues and keys from the prophets and the righteous people on how they raised kids in order to inform how we can become better parents together, inshaAllah.